It is my great joy to welcome you to worship with you today. My name is Josh Houston. I'm the lead pastor here at City Reach LA. LA. I love LA. Anybody else love LA? I, I love the city. It's a city of hustlers. I love the grind. I love the, the creative energy that just kind of like ignites the city, right? You go into a random coffee shop, you go to another random coffee shop, there's just a creative energy there, right? The diversity, the food, the culture, the coffee. I love the city. LA rocks, but the traffic sucks, right? Can I get a good amen on that one? We have crappy public transportation. Um, and, and the city's horizontal too, right? It's very spread out. So like if you tried to survive with just a bike here, it'd be really hard, right? Like try to go get coffee with somebody up in the valley. Like I'll see you in Sherman Oaks tomorrow, right? Except for Joe Kazarowski, that dude, where's he at? Oh, he's with Kit. Oh yeah, that, he's been bike riding like crazy lately if you want to talk to somebody about that. So many people in our city, bad highway systems, it all makes for horrible traffic. You get stuck on the four or five at the wrong time. Put on a podcast, right? That's pretty much how it goes. In uh, our family, we now have four in our family. Holy cow, it's crazy. We feel super old. We just had, Amanda had a kid. I was watching. Um, our second, Shiloh, is born. He's healthy. He's happy. I think Amanda's probably watching Facebook Live right now, um, as long as she didn't pass out because she's so tired. We are tired, guys. We are tired. Saturdays, we like to explore the city. Um, I remember not long ago, I was like, when we go to new cities, we like, we'll look up, we'll, we'll, we'll look up the great stuff that you're supposed to go see in that city, but like, we, I realized we don't do that for our own city. People come to LA, right? Like, why don't we do that for our city? So we started like making a list of all the stuff that we want to go see. Um, so uh, Saturdays are often our days to explore the city. We like to find new coffee shops, we like to find new donut shops, new parks, just fun. And a few weeks back, we got in the car, we were going to go to Kettle Glazed Donuts. Anybody get, been to Kettle Glazed? It's over in Hollywood great donut shop. So we're like, we're going to Kettle Glaze. Amanda puts it in the iPhone, the directions of the iPhone. She's like, there's two, two routes. Which one do you want to go? And I see the freeway, and I see the side streets, and the freeway is just red. And I'm like, and she said, but the, the side streets are going to take longer. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> we're going side streets. I don't want to be stopped on the freeway, right? Anybody else relate to that? I'm, I don't care if it's going to be longer. We're taking the side streets because I want to move. If I'm in a vehicle, I want to go. If, if I want to chill, I'll be in a more comfortable environment, right? I don't want to sit in something that was built to move me somewhere and just sit in it, right? It's not, it's not a super comfortable environment. I'm in a vehicle. Let's go. Anybody with me? Or am I, I'm just, I'm pragmatically impatient, right? It's a vehicle. It's intended to move, to carry people and stuff to an intended destination. And I'd like to submit today that similarly... The church is a vehicle. It's invented by Jesus with the intention of movement, built to go, built to carry people and stuff to an intended destination. And for that reason, I think it's precisely why so many individuals are leaving the church, why many people think the church is irrelevant, why many people think the church is unnecessary or archaic. And to be fair, I understand the critique. I really do. I don't think our culture is simply going to hell in a handbasket. I see a lot of good. I know there is evil. I know there is corruption. I know there is pain and sorrow. But when I go out in my week, my week, just my regular week, I see good people. And I see good all around as well. Yes, and I'm talking about non-Christians too. Right? There's good. 
So before the church calls everyone running from the church faithless heathens, maybe the church needs to take a good look in the mirror for a second. Following Jesus is not a mere belief system. Even the demons believe in Jesus. Following Jesus is about following Jesus, which includes belief, but it's also coupled with faith, coupled with actions. The invention of the church by Jesus was was so that it would do something, that it would carry people and stuff to an intended destination. That destination, Jesus. The church is a vehicle. It's designed to move. It's not designed to sit around and rest. Nor did Jesus build this show car for a garage to be just observed and, and admired. He built a vehicle with incredible power to get out of the garage and change the world. Now, whether we like it or not, we are products of post-modernity. We are post-moderns, and some criticize that everything is pluralistic, everything is relative, but I want to celebrate it for a moment. Post-moderns, they want to be part of something that matters. They want to be a part of something that makes a difference. They want to connect with deep meaning and significance, and they want to cause lasting change. I think people are running from the church because so many churches, so much of the church was, is content with being an exclusive club, and not even a cool club at that, right? When the church functions as Jesus intended, people want to be near it. It's magnetic. It's contagious. People are drawn to something that matters. They want to be part of the action, and this is not a rhetorical question. Don't you want to be part of something that matters? Don't you want to be part of something that makes a difference? Don't you want to connect with deep significance and meaning and cause lasting change in our world? I do. And if you don't, this is probably the wrong church for you. If you're looking for religious exclusivity, you should probably find another home church because we're going to severely let you down. We're committed to radical inclusivity. Come as you are. Not just in theory. Not just because it's a catchy, cool phrase. We actually mean come as you are, and we're going to do life together, and we're going to partner with Jesus as he changes the world, as he liberates and redeems L.A. We're going to be part of that work. Friends, we're going somewhere this year. Today, I want to talk about vision. Vision. Next two Sundays are Vision Sundays. I want to share with you what God put on my heart regarding who we are to be and what we are to be about this year. Next week, I'm going to talk about mission what we're aiming for, what we're going to accomplish as a church. And in February, February is going to be a fun month. We're going to do a series on our core values. So the way of Jesus, come as you are, church's family, and local and global mission. It's going to be four good weeks. Um, Why core matters value to us, how they inform our culture here at City Reach LA. The next six weeks are going to be fun. I want to challenge you to be around for them. Stick around for them. At least catch us on Facebook Live or, or follow our podcast. We're going somewhere this year, and today I want to tell you where we're headed. And to do so, I want to look at one of the greats of our faith. His name is Abram. His name was Abram. Eventually, his name was changed to Abraham. You know the song, Father Abraham had many sons. Had many. Anybody, you guys? Yeah, there you go. Okay. I'm not the only one that grew up in kids' church, right? (laughs) He starts out as Abram. His name is changed to Abraham. And we find a story in Genesis 12. So if you brought your Bible or your smartphone, I want to invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. we got Bibles on the tables that are scattered throughout the, the room as well, and I'll have it up on the screen too. If you've never read Genesis, Genesis is a fun book. 
I know the Old Testament can be challenging, but Genesis is fun. Some really good stories in Genesis. <coughs> All right, here we go. Genesis 12, 1 through 5. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him. Lot went with him. Abraham, or Abram was 75 years old when he went out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his, new, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Five verses here. I want to pull on that thread today. Abram, leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's house. And where is he to go? God's language. To the land I will show you. And if you do it, here's what's in store for you, Abram. I'm going to make you into a great nation. You're going to have enough kids and enough grandkids and enough great-grandkids to populate a nation. And I will make your name great. Interesting, there is arguably no more honored name in history than Abram's, who's revered by Jews, by Muslims, and by Christians. Abram is great. Oh, and there's more, Abram. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. In fact, you're going to be so blessed that all families on earth will be blessed in and through you. But it all, hinges on your, it all hinges on your obedience here. Go to the land I will show you. So two things I want to accent in the story today, the vision and the purpose of the vision. So let's start. This Sunday, next Sunday, our vision Sundays, we're talking vision, where we're headed, and this story has so much to say about vision. So let's start with the vision God gives Abraham. This is how God communicates it to him. Go from your country to the land I will show you. Why don't you think about that for a second? Let's put this vision up. <laughs> Go to the land I will show you. What is God, in fact, saying? Start walking. I'll tell you when we get there. Embark on a journey you've never made to the land you have never seen. And he does it. Hebrews 11, the writer of Hebrews 11 says, what faith Abraham has that he, he actually does it. And not because he can predict the role he's going to play in human salvation, but because he had an experience, an encounter with the one true God. God spoke to him. There's no case study from which he can prep on this. No insight in history that's going to support his decision. He's summoned. God directs, and the future is God's. But this is not much of a future, God. There's no vision here, God. What kind of vision is this? Go to the land I will show you. What is that? You know what that is? Ambiguous clarity. That's really ambiguous clarity right there. In my experience, God is often strikingly clear on no's, if we're listening, and he's uncomfortably vague with yeses, even when we're listening. The reason God cares less about what you will accomplish in life than he does about who you're becoming on the way there. 
Nos are, are normally about protecting us from self-destruction on the way to intimacy with him. And yeses, they seem quite arbitrary often. Start walking. I'll tell you when we get there. Ambiguous clarity. My personal belief here, vision that cuts through and slices through all ambiguity is likely too good to be true. Well-intentioned, yeah. Hopeful, sure. Reality, probably not. Because we don't have capacity to see much further than our own noses. Paul comes along later and he says, it's like we're looking through a glass dimly right now. Like a, like a fogged up windshield. One day we will see clear. For now, ambiguous clarity. That's what we got. And this is what we see with, a- a- with Abram, the vision. Next steps, not the whole picture. Go. We'll eventually get to where we're going. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> we'll eventually get where we're going, Abram. Just start walking. That's all you need to know for now. That's the vision. Then the purpose of the vision. Go, leave your country to a land I will show you. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. Here's the principle to put in your pocket. You ready for this? God blesses you with the intention that you will be a blessing to others. God blesses you with the intention that you will be a blessing to others. We get in trouble when we forget the second part of that statement, when we leave that part out. The purpose of blessing is to enrich the lives beyond your own. Have you ever asked, though, what does blessing mean? (laughs) You ever asked that? Blessing is, is, is the vernacular of the day for Christian, circle, Christian circles. It's Christian lingo, Christianity. Gosh, we use this vocabulary like crazy, right? How are you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed. God, bless our time today. God, please bless this food. You ever see somebody say that over some like really crap food? It's like, God, thank you for these fried nacho chili ice cream balls. Would you bless this to my body right now? He's probably like, I can't even do that. <laughs> bless that to your body for real? And you'll notice, too, the language of blessing is often connected with, with finances, with money, right? My guess is even though it's probably one of the most popular words in Christian vocabulary, many Christians haven't actually thought about what they're asking for when they ask for blessing, when they talk about blessing. So biblically, what is meant by blessing? Well, to be blessed, it means to be favored, secure in goodness, fully satisfied. But to make it real simple for you, I I wanted to break it down like this. To bless is to give of yourself and to give of your stuff. So when God blesses blesses us, he offers us himself and he offers us his stuff. Blessing is an offering of who one is and what one has. And this is what makes us blessing God possible. You ever read that in the scriptures? Things like, bless the Lord, oh my soul. How are we supposed to bless God? It's not like I have a ton of stuff God doesn't have to give to him, right? We bless him by offering him ourselves and everything we have. My soul, bless God. I give you all that I got, God. To repeat it one more time, the foundational principle to blessing is that one is blessed to be a blessing. It's the purpose here. God tells Abraham, firstly, Abram, here's the vision. Start walking. We'll eventually get there. And I'm going to bless you so hard. <laughs> and it's so that you can bless others so hard. 
That's what this is all about. You following? The last couple months, I've spent a ton of time in prayer. I've spent a ton of time in prayer. And the, and the one thing I have begged God for is vision. You see, I'm not a visionary. I'm really not. I'm a classic shepherd in the sense. God has gifted some people to be visionaries. I am not that. So I've been begging God, give me vision. I can't see six years ahead. I could barely see six feet ahead of myself right now. So I pleaded with God, who are we to be? Where are we to go? What are we to be about? I asked and I asked and I asked him, and he gave me a vision. I was kind of surprised, actually. Like, oh, wow, he, he gave me something. <laughs> I prayed, and he gave it. And, and like Abrams, it was a vision of ambiguous clarity. You know, the Kolars left in December. This was not our plan. I remember Nathan, we sat down in the office, and he had this face on, like, like something was wrong. And I was like, oh, man, I think, did I do something wrong? Like, am I, am I in trouble right now? I don't know what it was, right? And he's like, he, and then he went to the emoji face, right? That's like my favorite emoji face. <laughs> We're going to Nashville. I was like, what are you talking about? That was not the plan. Like, we're supposed to do this for decades together, Nate, right? He's like, God's calling us to go. I'm like, okay, how do I argue with that? You can't argue with the God card, right? Anybody ever pulls the God card? Like, hey, conversation's done. He's like, we feel like you and Amanda are supposed to be the lead pastors now. That was not the plan. So, you know, we sat down and really felt like God said, this is, this is what I want. You and Amanda take the reins. Take the lead. Start walking to the land I will show you. <laughs> So I prayed and I prayed, and what I received was an angle. It was, it's a bearing, a direction to start walking, not the destination. And it includes three qualities, three virtues that we are to be and to be about this year, and I want to share them with you. This is where we're headed in 2018. First, to be a church that passionately adores God. I want that to land for a second. To be a church that passionately adores God. Adore. To revere. To cherish. To love dearly. To treasure. God wants us to be a church that adores him. How do we do this? Adoration is, is it's fixing your gaze upon him. We direct our attention. We direct our devotion. We direct our intentions to him. We adore him, and he becomes bigger in our lives. You know, the, the purpose of the Christian life is not mere belief. It's not just right thinking. It's not even just right action. The purpose of the Christian life is to be transformed into God's likeness. It's to be transformed into God. It's union with him. The thing is, you already bear his image. You don't get a choice in that. You get a choice in how much you look like him. You get a choice in how much you reflect him. Your decision is on likeness. And here's the kicker. You become what you behold. What you stick in front of you, what you chase. There's a deep, mystical, and transformative power in what we set our eyes and our minds and our hearts on. What you set your gaze on, hear this, what you set your gaze on will shape you. What you set your gaze on will shape your heart. Prestige, power, pleasure, wealth. If that is where you fix your attention and your intentions, those things will shape you. They will form your character. But as we adore God, we become him. 
This is all about intimacy. It's about knowing and being known by another. It's knowing God and allowing ourselves to be known by him, that we would invite him into the quiet corners of our souls. God wants intimate ones. Not just a Sunday gathering. He wants intimate ones because his presence changes us. And apart from his presence, this is just a bunch of exhausting religious activity. We pray for his presence, God, that, you're, that this gathering would be marked by your presence. And his presence is what transforms us into people he can trust with real power, with real influence, with real authority. I want you to know there's an individual and a corporate level to this. Jesus wants alone time with you. Every week, he wants alone time with you. He longs for you to set aside time to be with him, to talk to him, to let him talk to you, to learn of him, to allow him to shape your heart and form your likeness to his. He doesn't just want the church. He wants you. But he also wants the church. So there's a corporate level to this. So we gather on Sundays. We gather in community groups throughout the week. We connect throughout the, the, throughout the week beyond our official gatherings with the intention of passionately adoring God as a community of faith. Because ultimately, Christianity is not about me and Jesus. It's about we and Jesus. So there's an individual and a corporate level. As individuals and as a family, we fix our eyes on God, our creator, our savior, and we let him love on us. God is asking us this year to take steps forward in becoming a church that passionately adores him. I want you to challenge yourself this year. Make a decision to passionately adore God like you never have before. Second, to be a church that lives authentically and vulnerably together. A church that lives authentically and vulnerably together. Sunday is not the culmination of our church. It's a gathering of our church. It's our church uniting to celebrate God, to worship God, to adore him, but we're living life together. Church is family. Now, I know many of us grew up in dysfunctional families, right? But healthy families exhibit authenticity and vulnerability. You can show up just as you are, and you can be seen fully, and you will be fully accepted. You will fully belong. And this is not just about being in a super friends club here, okay? This is not just about, like, we want to act like we're good Christians who like each other. We are biologically, we are cognitively, we are spiritually wired to belong, to love, and to be loved. And when those needs aren't met, we fall apart. We begin to ache. We begin to numb. We begin to self-destruct. Authenticity and vulnerability, they usher us into life-giving relationships, They're the breeding ground for connection, and they're the only way that feelings of worthiness in relationship are actually possible. But let's shoot straight. It's hard, right? Authenticity and vulnerability is hard in relationship. Here's the challenge. When we show up in relationship, vulnerability is the first thing I want from in you, but it's the last thing I want to give you. And here's the fault in our logic. We think that vulnerability in the other is courageous, but vulnerability in myself is weakness. It's dead wrong. It's so off. Brene Brown says what makes us vulnerable is particularly what makes us beautiful. That we, that we must let ourselves be seen, deeply seen, vulnerably seen, to love with our whole hearts even though there's no guarantee. 
you don't know this about us, I want you to hear this. City Reach LA is a place where you belong. Even if you never become like us, even if you never believe what we believe. At this church, you can show up authentically you as you are, and you'll be welcomed as family because love and belonging are your birthright as children of God. They're not something that you have to earn. They're not something you have to fight for. Here, your home, and we're going to be in your life because we do church as family. I want to challenge you this year to get into a few people's life. Pick three or four people. Make a commitment. Make it your ambition to know them. Know their story. Know where, how, and where and how you can support them. And then share your story with them. Share where you struggle. Pray for each other. To make our church and continue making our church more than a Sunday gathering. This year, God's calling us to take a step further, even further than we already are doing, which I think we're doing it well. God's calling us deeper into authenticity and vulnerability with each other. Third, to be a church that makes tangible impacts in our city. Tangible impacts in our city. Our city needs to know we're here. Our city needs to care that we're here. If our church shut down next week and the only people that care are you, we're doing something wrong. You know, we talk here about the necessity of gathering and scattering, that the church is both the church in our gatherings, Sunday gatherings and community groups, but also in our scattering, that you're the church Monday through Saturday at your jobs, with your neighbors, with your families, on mission in the city, reflecting Christ, that we're partnering with him and redeeming the lostness and the brokenness of our city. The church is the church all week long, right? So we celebrate that, and while I believe it to be true and vital, it can also be a cop-out for serving our city. We don't actually have to do anything to care for our city because we're nice, loving people wherever we go. We can use that. We can think, because we're nice Christians, we actually don't have to serve our city because we're serving our city by being nice. Totally misses it. It's not enough. Are we making tangible impacts in L.A.? And I don't mean massive impacts. We're a small church, but I do mean significant ones. You know, Mother Teresa once said, there are no great acts of love. There are only small acts with great love. But are we even doing small acts with great love for our city? Is L.A. better because our church exists? Are we actually doing anything to enrich and liberate our city? In other words, are we a blessing? <laughs> are we a blessing to our city? Currently, I think we're doing a mediocre job at this. And mediocrity peeves me. I'm tired of churches that have a great mission statement on paper, but in truth and in actuality, they only care about themselves. I'm tired of that, and I think the, I think the world's tired of that too. What do our actions and our efforts actually communicate to L.A.? And please know I'm not just talking about money. It's easy to just write a check from our Beyond Us giving to nonprofits and say we're, we've done our part. That's too easy. That's, that's not the mission work. I mean, it involves that, but that's not the culmination of mission work. It takes real compassion and empathy to learn someone's name and learn someone's story who lives on the streets. It's easy to write a check for people to go care for homeless people. 
Yeah, our church should meet the needs of people in our church. Yeah, this should be an enjoyable place. Yeah, we should have fun together. Yeah, this should be a place where we grow and become. Yes, 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 yes. But if that's the culmination of our church, paired up with writing a check to missions and and ministries sent out every month, we're severely missing something that Jesus was relentless about. People. Caring for people with real names, with real faces, with real stories, with real pain. You know, our culture entices us to strive for success and prestige and power and wealth and pleasure, no matter the cost, no matter the sacrifice. And LA is a city of grinders. They go for it, right? We know it. But you have to know your greatest efforts to attain all these things cannot earn you these things. You realize that? These qualities are not attained. They are not earned. They are given. They're gifts. They're gifts given by God. And they're blessings with the intention of blessing others with them. Everything you have, everything you are, has been given to you by God in order that you would enrich the lives of those around you. You have been blessed so that you can be a blessing. As a church, we have been blessed. We are blessed, guys. And we're going to continue to be blessed so that we can be a blessing beyond us. And I'm going to be talking more about this in future weeks, but we're going to start partnering with the Harvest Home this year. They're a Christian organization here on the west side that helps homeless pregnant women. Are you kidding me? This is Jesus' work right here. For real, they provide housing and support and programs to equip women to be great mothers. And it's not like give a person a fish. They, like, teach them how to fish. I took a tour of the home in Venice. It's awesome. They're housing 10 pregnant women that, are on the, that were on the streets teaching them how to be great moms. Job interview skills, and it's a Christian place, too. We just started financially supporting them monthly, and we're going to start serving over there. We're going to start offering opportunities to go serve over there. Yes, thank you. We're going to do our trunk retreat again this year. In October. That was fun, right? Who, who was a part of that this year, the last year? It was fun. We're going to do it bigger and better this year. We're going to care for our city. We're going to tell our city our, we, love our, we love the kids of our city. We love the families of our city. We're going to continue financially supporting ministries and missionaries in L.A. and in our nation and globally. Again, more about that in future weeks. It's going to be fun. Suffice it to say, we're going to look outward this year. We're not going to be ingrown. Ingrown toenails, ingrown hairs, ugh, right? Ingrown churches, ugh. (laughs) Sorry, that was not in my notes. (laughs) God is calling us to take, take steps forward in being a church that makes tangible impacts in our city. We're gonna do that this year. This is where we're heading, 2018. Can we put these up? This is where we're headed this year. To adore God, to live authentically and vulnerably together, to make tangible impacts in our city. This is the vision God gave me for 2018. Ambiguous clarity. Clearly ambiguous, however you want to say it. You know what I noticed about this vision after I drew this up? Or after God drew this up? Is this not our church living out the greatest commandments? Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments in the law? He answered, love God with everything you got and love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
love God, love self, love neighbor. I was like, dang, Jesus, you know what you're talking about. You come full circle all the time, don't you? <laughs> it's all about love. That's what we're going to do this year. We're going to love hard this year. I want to invite Jackie to come back up or do a little bit of response worship. We're going somewhere this year, friends. Now, I'm not exactly sure where there is. <laughs> but with ambiguous clarity, I believe this is the land God is leading us to. The land he will show us. I'm okay with that. And I'm confident of this, that if we make it our aim this year to passionately adore God and to live authentically and vulnerably together and make tangible impacts on our city, we're going to be part of something truly significant. We're not just going to do church together. We're going to be part of something truly significant. I believe God is going to make eternal impacts with our love and through our love in these walls and beyond these walls. God's going to bless us, guys. He's going he's gonna to bless us, but we need to live with open palms. Allowing him to use our hearts, our, ourselves, our stuff to bless beyond us. So as we move into this time of response worship, I want to invite you. Take whatever plans you thought you have for this year and just put them down at the feet of Jesus. And say, yeah, I do want these things, but I want more than that. I want what you want for me and for us this year. That with a collective and a surrendered heart, God would entrust to us great influence, great authority, great wealth, great passion, great favor, in order that we would enrich the world around and beyond us. That's where we're going this year. I am stoked. I am excited about it. I'm, gosh, I've been like walking, I love walking my dog and praying for you telling you, me and Goonie go at it in the spirit. We pray for you together. <laughs> Praying that God, it lifts your spirits. He fills you with faith. He fills you with passion to be more, to know Jesus more, to care for our city more. We're going to the land he will show us. I'm so excited to walk with you guys. So God, as we, as we respond to you in worship and in adoration, we give you our hearts. We say, use us, God. We ask for immense blessing. Give us all you got, God. Everything you have, we want it. We pray for your incredible, immense blessing upon us. And Lord, that it would flow through us. That you would use it to be a blessing unto others. That it would enrich and liberate and free the world around us that is lost and broken and hurting. So God, we meet you now. We surrender our hearts to you, God. All praise, all adoration, all worship goes to you, Jesus.